Well, as we think about the term, <coughs> excuse me, term Good Friday, um, it wasn't a good day for Jesus. But it was a great day for us because by him going to the cross and dying for our sin, we were able to be reconciled to God and have a home in heaven. So as we go through this service and we think about what Christ did for us, um, we look forward to Easter Sunday because today we're remembering what he did for us on the cross and his death. But on Sunday, we, we realize it's the third day and he rose again. So as we get started this morning, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 23. And first, we're just going to look at the crucifixion. You know the story. But have you taken time this week especially to think about what Christ did for us? Look at verse 33, Luke 23 and verse 33. It says, and when they were called, or when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not, know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. In the video, we see that, where the executioner said, he said, he forgave me. And you think about when Christ said that, he was, he was forgiving all the people that had a part in his death. And we've mentioned in our church services and different things about how we're really the ones that he had to go to the cross for. We're really the ones that put him to death. See, we look at, we forget sometimes, I think in the video, uh, the thing I liked about the video is it, it shows us that the people we read about in the Bible, first of all, were real people. And second of all, they were just like you and I. They were just like us. They were ordinary human beings that had to make decisions. And um, Christ said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then in verse 35, it says, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them, derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, <clears throat> and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. See, we have to remember that at this point, the pain didn't begin here for Jesus. The pain had already happened. You guys know the story. He was beaten. So much so that in Isaiah, it says that his, his face was marred more than any man ever. Some of you have seen, <clears throat> after maybe a... MMA fight or after a boxing match, you know what the fighters look like. You know what their flesh looks like. And Christ was beaten, it says, beyond any, beyond any recognition. And he was spit on. He's made fun of. Even here, we read in these couple verses that in verse 36, the soldiers were mocking him. They're telling him, if you're the king, save yourself. Get off the cross. Save yourself. And he'd been spit on, he'd been beaten. <clears throat> his beard was plucked out of his face, pulled out. And, uh, you know, it's not pleasant to think about. As I was preparing for this message, I was looking at um, or listening to a, a podcast about a doctor telling what Christ would have gone through. Um, great blood loss. Body going into shock. Um, Mr. Moyer did a, did a sermon recently where he talked about when he was whipped, and at the end of the whip, you guys know that they would put things on there that would rip the skin open. 
And the doctor's account said that sometimes to the point you could see the spine uh, when, when that was done. And there were supposed to be, according to Roman law, they were only supposed to get 39, 39 whippings. But there's no, in the scripture, it doesn't tell us how many Christ did. We don't know that they honored that. But, you know, we don't like to think about that part of it. But, you know, it's important to think about because it's the seriousness of what Christ did for us on the cross, that he loved us that much that he'd go through that. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I wouldn't go through that for somebody. I'd like to think I would. But God loved us so much in John 3.16 that he loved us us so much that he sent his son to die for us. See, I'm, I'm uh, I'm not perfect, so I can't die for your sins. And you're not perfect, so you can't die for my sins. But God's son, Jesus, God in the flesh, loved us that much that he'd go through all that. And then it says in verse 38, the superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And you think about this sign, okay? We always see, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of of, uh, pictures of what the cross might be, and you see this little tiny sign on top of the cross. But the truth is, it was written in three languages. It had to be a pretty good-sized sign that was on top of his head. And in the other Gospels, it talks about how the religious leaders were not happy that they wrote, that they wrote, that the, they wrote on the sign, the King of the Jews. But it was written, I believe, it was, even that was, to every detail was God-ordained. You might remember in the video, the guy that was the executioner, he said that people usually fight him when, they're putting him, when he's putting him on the cross. Christ didn't put up a fight. Why? He willingly allowed to be a sacrifice. He willingly went to be a sacrifice. So he didn't try to fight it. Then this next section that we're going to get into, this is, I really want you to think about this section because it gives a very clear portrayal of salvation. See, every person on this earth, there's 7 billion people on this earth, every person has to get to heaven the same way. That's by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Christ saves us. We don't save ourselves. We... You know, just because you know about Christ up here because you've heard about him in school doesn't mean you possess him as Lord and Savior. The way you possess him as Lord and Savior is very clear here. Look, look in verse, starting in verse 39. It's going to talk about the two men that were crucified with Jesus. You know that Jesus was, was there and he had a thief on each side of him, a, a criminal on each side of him. Verse 39 says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss or um, nothing wrong. And then verse 42, the thief says, He said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now, as you think about that exchange that went on, you've got two people on one side of a no clearer picture than that one of those men that was hung on one side of him has been in hell since that day. The other man that's on the other side of him has been in heaven since that day. The difference? A choice. Both men could have been in heaven that day they both, if you, if you look at the different accounts in different Gospels, you'll find that at the beginning, both of them were making fun and mocking Jesus, just like everybody else was, the soldiers and everybody else. But at some point, 
one of them realized who Christ really was. And he looked over at Jesus. Remember, they're hanging on the cross here. They're both suffering. They've been nailed to this cross. They're all suffering. And the other one's saying in verse 39, he said, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But in verse 40, the other, the, the other criminal, he rebukes, the, he rebukes the one. And he says, don't you fear God? See, a lot of people don't technically fear God in this lifetime. But I guarantee you, as you grow close to, to death, people think about their eternal life. They think about what's going on. I've been with different family members, with different people. I've been through people that are close to death. And, and a Christian has such a different view of it. Why? Because a Christian knows for sure they're on their way to heaven. They know that, that their last breath here is their first, first breath in heaven. That's why you have verses that say, you know, death, where's your victory? Where's your sting? There is no victory in death because uh, death doesn't get you. If you know Christ, you have eternal life in, in heaven. And so it's exciting about that. But in verse 41, he, the, the thief says to the other one, we indeed justly, we receive the due reward of our deeds. In other words, we're on this cross for a reason. But talking about Christ, he says, this man has done nothing amiss or nothing wrong. And then he just looks over and he says these simple words to Jesus. He says, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. At that point, that man put his trust in Jesus Christ. See, a specific worded prayer doesn't save you. You could say a specific prayer and not mean it in your heart, and you're not saved. Usually by the time somebody says a prayer out loud or to Jesus to accept him, the, changes, the exchange has already been done in their heart. See, we can say words, but this man truly, put, truly meant it, and Christ knew it. In verse 43, Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. See, a lot of people in this world will teach you different things about salvation. Some people say you have to work your way to get there. Other people say you've got to be baptized. If you don't get baptized, you're not going to heaven. Some people say you've got to take communion and, and do that. Some people say you've got to do these specific rites or passages. But think about this guy on the cross. He definitely was a sinner. He was put there and he said, he said in verse 41 that we're here justly because of our deeds. We're here. We're on the cross. But that man knew Jesus had done nothing wrong. But see, he knew he was a sinner. See, the first part of God getting saved is admitting you're a sinner. This man knew he'd done wrong. We've all done wrong. Multiple times. All of us. But this criminal, did he climb down off the cross and do some more good works before he died? No. Did he climb down off the cross and Jesus climbed down and baptized him so he could go to heaven? No. The truth is, it was just a heart transformation where he acknowledged that God, that Jesus was God and he was the Savior of the world. And that's what you and I have to do if we want to go to heaven. See, it's an equal playing field at the cross. If I went down right now and took some of you and we went down and decided we'd play a basketball game or maybe we decided we'd have a sprint race down on the outside, I'll be honest, you'd probably beat me in any of those things. Now, not when I was your age, but now you would beat me. But the truth is, if we had to do some great thing to get to heaven, some people wouldn't be able to do it. Whether it was a physical challenge or something else, but Christ, God in his infinite wisdom, he just made the playing field level for every, every person comes to Christ the exact same way. Rich or poor, famous, unknown, 
doesn't matter. We all come to Christ the same way. And, and that's why what's so great about God's plan, and it's also very simple. It's simple to understand. It's really simple to do for us. It wasn't simple for Christ as we were looking at what Christ did for us. But the most important part about this time of year, we call it Good Friday. Why do we call it Good Friday? It was a horrible day. Christ was nailed to the cross. But we call it Good Friday because it delivered mankind to God. And Christ died for everyone's sin, yours, mine. And so Christ told him in verse 43, today you're going to be with me in paradise. As soon as we're done here on this cross, you'll be in heaven. He makes that promise. Then we go into verse 44 and it says, and it was about the sixth hour. There was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened. Middle of the day here, the sun's darkened. And then it says, the veil in the temple was rent in the midst. We remember that the veil in the temple, only the high priest could go in there. If anybody else went in there besides the high priest, they died. The high priest went in to offer sins, uh, uh, sacrifice for his sins, and then for the sins of the people. All those blood sacrifices in the Old Testament, those were just temporary until Christ came and died on the cross once and for all. Once Christ came and died, once for all, there was no more need for, for any other blood sacrifice because he paid it all. And so that's why the veil in the temple rent, ripped. Rent means to rip, to tear. There was no, no, no longer a need for that veil. Christ was now our, our intercessor. And as we look at that, and, and in verse 46 it says, When Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. In another scripture, in, in another one of the Gospels, Christ said seven different things on the cross. Uh, we looked at him here as a church family on Wednesday night. But Christ said seven different things on the cross. And the last two things he said were, it is finished, and this verse here that we're looking at, verse 46, where he says, Father, into thy hands I commit, commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. So, Physically, Christ died here on earth. He completed his earthly ministry. We know he's going to be buried. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But he's going to rise again. See, our, our God's a living God. Christ came to this earth to die for us. But he died, but three days later he rose again. And that's what we look forward to on Easter. Easter is about a lot of things, but it's really all about Christ breaking out of that tomb. So let's look, we've looked at the crucifixion a little bit, and we've thought about it a little bit. Let's look at the reaction. Look at Luke, Luke 23, 47. The reaction of some of the people. Now when the centurion, that would be one of the soldiers, saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Wait a minute. Remember what it said before? Back in verse 36, it said, the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar. And saying, if thou be the king of Jews, save themselves. Guess what? That centurion would have been one of the people yelling that at Christ. While he hung there on the cross. But now look what he's saying. The centurion realized that it was the son of God that's here. He says, he says the centurion saw what was done. He glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. See, righteous just means you're right. See, you and I aren't righteous in our, by ourselves. Why? Because we sin. That means we, sometimes we don't do what's right, do we? 
And by the way, it doesn't matter your age. Young or old, I do stuff that's wrong too, just like you do. We all do that. And, and we have a choice each day how we're going to live for God. But this man realizes it. And in verse 48 it says, All the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. In other words, they beat on their chest. See, at first it was fun and games. It was mocking. But then, after everything was done and they saw it, they realized his words were coming true. And then in verse 49 it says, And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off beholding these things. See, just like they beheld these things, that's what Good Friday's about. It's about remembering what, that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins. And he loved us so much he was willingly to go to the cross. Again, remember what that video said where the guy, the executioner, he said, this guy didn't put up a fight. He willingly went to the cross. And we have to remember that. We have a loving Savior that willingly did that for us. I don't know about you, but that's great, great love shown to me. Nobody on this earth loves me like God loves me. Or, or you. My wife loves me a lot. She puts up with a lot. But, but she doesn't love me like Christ loves me. And as we think of that, that was the reaction. People, now there were, I'm sure there were still people there that were mocking him and laughing and joking. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this right now. I've known people in church, I've known people at our Christian school that at one time sat in this, in this church auditorium, this chapel, and they've heard this message. And some of them have proclaimed to me later in life that they don't believe there's a God. They, they heard the same message that we're hearing today. And people have said they, they've turned away. They have, they've said they don't believe in it. Well, next and last comes the burial. The burial. Look at verse 50. Behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor. He was a good man and just. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. In other words, he wasn't, the one, he wasn't approving of Christ being put to death on the cross. It says he was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. See, it says it said in verse 51 that Joseph himself waited for the kingdom of God. See, Christ came down. Many of them thought he was going to establish his kingdom right there on earth. But they didn't understand it wasn't time for that yet. Christ died on the cross, but it wasn't time yet for that to happen. So Joseph went to Pilate, and he begged the body of Jesus. He said, let me, let me take the body. Let me bury it properly. And if you read in other Gospels, Nicodemus was with him also. Nicodemus was one of, the, one of the religious leaders that would have had a part in putting him to death. But in John chapter 3, which we said John chapter 3.16, where it's probably the most famous verse in the Bible where it says God so loved the world that he sent his son. Nicodemus, that whole passage came about because Nicodemus came by night and asked Jesus how, really more about what he was talking about, about him being the Savior and about how he could get to heaven. But see, Nicodemus also came with Joseph. It's not in this gospel, but it's in the other gospel. Remember, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they all tell their perception of what God told them to write down about the crucifixion. And so in verse 53, it says, He took it down, and he wrapped it in linen, and he laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, 
wherein never man before was laid. That would be the tomb. And when that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on, verse 55 says, And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after, beheld the sepulcher, and how his body was laid. Then verse 56, They returned, and they had prepared spices and ointments, and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. See, there was, there was in a way a rush to bury Christ, because they knew the Sabbath was coming. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. So on that day when he died, they wanted to immediately take care of the body and put it in the tomb. Now, tomb and doom. It sounds like what, you know, it sounds like everything's negative, but we know what's coming. We know what is coming on, sun, on, on Sunday. We know that Christ is going to rise again on the third day, just like he promised. And uh, we know that's going to happen. And so as the Christian, is it, it, it is sad to think about what our Savior had to go through for us. But what I want you to focus on is not, not as much the sadness of what he went through, but I want you to focus on the love that he showed us on the cross. See, love is not just a word where you say, I love you. It's not just three little words where I say I love you. If I tell someone I love you, there's only a certain amount of people in this world that I actually say I love you to. But you know what? If I say that, then I've got to back it up with action, right? If I tell my wife I love her, but I treat her horribly, I don't love her. I'm not showing her I love her anyway. If I tell my children I love them, but I never do anything kind for them, they don't think I love them. My grandkids, if I don't give them a piece of candy, you know, if I don't tell them I love them, if I don't show them in some way, they don't know that. So see, we, it's easy for us to sit here in these seats and say, I love God. But where's our action to that? See, Christ proved his action. He went to the cross. But where's our action? To be saved, we have to acknowledge that he's the Lord of, uh, and the creator of the world and that he's our savior. That's how we get saved, just like that thief did on the cross. But Sunday's coming. We have one more um, video, to sh video to show and then Mr. Moyer will come and close us out.